Patriarchy and petroleum, carcinogens and carbon emissions, racism and racketeering, addiction and advertising, human and animal slavery, and an ever-growing continent of plastic. We all know the problems. Let's, Let's talk, talk about, about solutions. solutions. Yeah, yeah, well, I'll edit that out later. <laughs> you sure? Welcome back. This is episode two of the Better Ways podcast. I'm calling it episode two? Well, yeah, the first one is clearly marked episode one, so, oh, okay. you know, we'll have to. Don't want to confuse people. So, uh, happy holidays. Happy holidays. Happy Merry Christmas. Almost Happy New Year. Into that sort of thing. Um, and Merry Christmas, Chris. I wanted oh, to... Oh, is that for me? Yeah. Oh, wow. Thank you. I didn't Absolutely. have to do that. Certainly, certainly. Do that. <laughs> uh, that is awesome. Isn't that, that is awesome? Isn't that For those of you that can't see this, uh, <laughs> it is two old Chinese guys playing something, something, some sort of game. It reminded me of Avatar: Last Airbender. The the uncle. Uh, did you ever watch that? I tried to watch it. There's Uncle Iroh. Okay. And uh, he's always he 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 was trying to find the lotus piece so that he could like drop it. It's like a secret code so you could get back behind the scenes in some tea house i don't know anyway it's a, a thought of you thank so. you absolutely thank you very absolutely. much thank you very much so um we i guess it's been a couple months now we interviewed blake beltram he is the one of the co-founders and the evangelist is um his title of the of mind body mind body incorporated which is a um which is an app, among other app? things, and I mean, it's... We'll let him explain it a little bit. Yeah, it's uh, it's the software that I guess about 70% of yoga studios use that use software to uh, host everything. So there's a there's a, a woman that I want to interview for the next episode who specializes in teaching mindfulness. That, that seems a little more on the nose for this podcast, but I... I wanted to interview this guy. I mean, honestly, I use the software. He's a smart dude. Uh, yeah. Well-spoken. And after you've heard the interview, we'll come back to Chris and I and we'll uh, chat a bit more. Welcome to the Better Ways Podcast. <laughs> Thank you. Great to be here. Today we have Blake Beltram, co-founder and I believe evangelist is your official title. That's right, Mind Body Evangelist. Mind Body Evangelist, and uh, he's here, he's here to let us know about um, a little bit about Mind Body and what they're about, and then we'll also cover some more general Better Ways ish kind of topics. Absolutely. Um, so tell us a little bit about Mind Body. Our new tagline is connecting the world of wellness. Okay. And as Rick joked uh, to the team, you know, finally, uh, we have one sentence that sums up what we do because we've been trying to figure out how to explain it for 18 years. Nice. But effectively, we help these wellness businesses do just about everything they need to do to run their business. Right. And a wellness business being a yoga studio or a Pilates studio or a CrossFit studio, a salon, a spa, a dance studio, anything where you have appointments, anything where you have classes and usually where you have practitioners or service providers that, right. that you need to, where you need to track possibly hours 
um, but also where you need to track the number of students that maybe come to those classes. Right. Um, so we help them every, uh, do everything from scheduling to client management to uh, employee management and staff management as well. So we're really the core software that they use to run their entire business. Right. It's been so interesting. I mean, to that point, it's been so interesting to watch how these boutique wellness businesses have evolved over the last 20 years. You know, a lot of these little mom-and-pop businesses didn't even exist when, when I first got started in 1998. Yeah. And now you see all of these interesting hybrids and and uh, all of these creative things that people are doing yeah. in the wellness I mean, I, space. How did, how did that look? In 98. Well, I started creating the software for the first time in the summer of 1998. So it was non-existent in, uh, up until that time. And uh, I was pursuing acting and writing. You're not too far from here. We can probably almost see the studio where I was, uh, I was taking acting lessons on Melrose. And my day job was a little company uh, called The Computer Tutor. So I went around and did everything from install networks to teach people Microsoft Word to whatever. Um, the 90s. And I literally taught people as simple as like how to get online and send an email um, to doing things a little bit a little bit more evolved, like little local area networks and installing sound cards and right. stuff like that. I was, on, I was always entrepreneurial, and I was an actor and a writer, so I could make my schedule uh, my own by doing the computer tutor. I could take acting classes and rehearsals and go to auditions and all that and sort of you know, fit my schedule around that lifestyle. So a guy in my acting studio, Michael Stadvek, who was at Bold last week or last month, who was in my acting studio, was running Mari Windsor's Pilates studio, and he came to me and said, "Hey, will you help us computerize? Because we're running this business out of a shoebox. We're about to open a second location. It's ridiculous. Can you help us?" And I said, "Sure, I'll find software, help you buy computers, and I'll in- install it and teach you guys how to use it." So I started doing research, and nothing existed. Hmm. To do to meet the needs they that they had, I was also helping to run a spinning studio at the time, and we had the same needs. And a yoga studio had moved in next door to us. This was in, over in Studio City, just over the hill here, and they all had the same needs. Hmm. And so it was that combination of events that led me to believe, wow, maybe there's an opportunity here, yeah, a niche, a niche, yeah. And I wasn't a programmer, so I went to the bookstore and bought a book called the Microsoft Access '97 Bible. <laughs> I love that Bible is in the title. <laughs> sort of a religious experience in hindsight in that I wasn't a programmer um, but this book was good enough and the joke now is I actually didn't want to shell out the $64 for the book because I wasn't that committed to the idea I didn't know well in the 90s that was a lot of money it was it was a lot of money for an actor in the 90s that's for sure an actor and writer that's a a day's pay as a background performer I still hesitate to put down $64 so I sat in the back of the bookstore and poured over this book to see if I thought I could do it before shelling out the money and after about 45 minutes in the back of the bookstore I thought yeah you know I think I can do this so I put down the 64 luckily the credit card cleared I put down the $64 for the book, <laughs> and it had a little CD-ROM in the back where you could, uh, had like a sample veterinary clinic database, mm-hmm. and so I copied that over to my hard drive and started changing names, nice. uh, field names and so on, and started making software. So that was yeah, how it started. Yeah. So it's pretty mind-blowing to fast for me to fast-forward to today where we have almost 60,000 clients around the world, yeah. 110 countries, and the numbers are just astounding. Given the world as it is, you know, the world that we're in... It's nice to think that, you know, you could go to a park and teach a yoga class Mm -hmm. and put a little tip jar out Mm -hmm. and actually make a living doing that. However, you can't. 
if you want to actually do this for a living. Mm -hmm. at, the, at the Bold Conference, there was so every different aspect of running a business was covered. Mm -hmm. And if you don't want to really put a lot of energy into it, you can just kind of, you know, pay a little extra for someone else to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, there's, yeah. there's a, a different company that's a partner of MindBody. Is that mm -hmm. basically accurate? Like there are a bunch of partners? That's right. We have a bunch of technology partners that basically tap they use what's called our API, mm -hmm. which essentially means if you think of MindBody as being sort of a big swimming pool, uh, the API are a bunch of straws in that swimming pool. Right, and people right. are able to kind of uh, draw out of those and then create technology that connects. I'd reconsider that analogy. Straws in the swimming pool. As the analogy came, I realized like drinking chlorine, chlorinated water out of a straw probably may mean. not be what I'm going for. Here. It's a very modern. But I do like to break things down into as simple a terms yeah, as possible yeah. so people can understand them. That's good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's so interesting that, that you that you bring that up because I've watched. We've watched this evolve over the last twenty years as well because it used to be a little bit easier in the sense that. Um, there wasn't a lot of competition in the boutique wellness industry. You know, if you remember back before the, in the turn of the century, uh, some of us remember there were big box gyms everywhere. One of the reasons I think they, they broke down a little bit is they were based on breakage. They wanted to sign up as many people as they could. Yeah. And then they didn't want you to all show up because right. they couldn't really accommodate oh, all of you. The timing just happened to be perfect that we came along when boutique wellness was starting to take off. And I like to think that we helped facilitate that revolution a little bit as well because we put nice. tools into the hands of people that could run yeah. a mom and pop business and had the technology. Having said that, it was a little bit easier because there wasn't a yoga studio on every corner. Right. If you opened up a yoga studio in your neighborhood, you were super unique in the yeah. 90s or early 2000s. Yeah. Um, if you opened up a spinning studio like I uh, helped do in Studio City, there wasn't, there wasn't competition. Now just walk down the street and it's do I go to the yoga studio or there's the CrossFit studio. It, it was a little bit easier then. Um, frankly, the technology part has never been easy. There's a di there are different kinds of mind-body clients. Some of them are the ones that you talk about that are just passionate about yoga. They're passionate about wellness. They're passionate about doing something positive to change the world, to make an impact on people's lives. Yeah. That's the part that really inspires me. Yeah, and they get real bored by accounting and a lot of that other stuff. As I as sending out emails, reminding people exactly you know. as do I. I mean, this is why, I, in some ways, I was kind of the perfect person maybe to 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 start making this software because I was a theater major. I didn't care about. I was really good with math. Was really good with accounting, but yeah. did I want to do it? Was I interested in it? No, I wasn't right. even that interested in technology. I've always been sort of a late adopter when it came to technology. Yeah. I always wanted to use technology to transcend technology. Right. You know, so I could get off of Make it invisible. Make it invisible. Make it truly useful. Remember when they said technology was going to give us more time and actually make right. our lives Yeah. They've been saying that since Except the for the IT department. Since the yeah. steam engine, right? That was Robert Fulton's pitch to his venture capitalist. Make or, everything easier. <laughs> But yeah, a studio that's run on MindBody, the only technology there is just one iPad. And behind that is just lost an unbelievable amount of complexity. Yeah. And that's the conundrum with these kinds of businesses. You have someone that's super passionate about something like working out or wellness or nutrition or yoga, and they just want to do that. And then there's this necessary technology component of it. And the complexity of it is mind-boggling. 
because the complexity is based on the human desire and human needs. Right. It's not like we came in and said, hey, we've got this really complex technology we'd like for you. To, we, I thought it would take me six to eight months to create the software. Mm -hmm. Literally, I was I, I wasn't burdened with uh, experience or knowledge in, in terms of creating <laughs> software. So I thought six to eight months, I'll be done with this, and I'll just stamp CDs and sell CDs. I thought I was getting into the marketing and sales business. I didn't know right. I was getting into the technology business because hmm. I thought it was super simple. Um, it's not because the uh, the human desire and the human needs underneath are just phenomenally complex because. It's not as simple as I come in and I'm buying some, uh, something from you and you're giving it to me. And the relationship at the front desk is between two human beings. Right. And one always wants to tell the other one, yes, of course. Yeah. Yes, your son can take that. Yes, not, you can. Oh, I'm sorry, we can't do that. No, it's not like a product where yeah. it's either this or that. Yeah. It's, uh, yeah, we'll accommodate you as best we can. And yeah. every one of those accommodations leads to just a, a mind-blowing amount of complexity in right. the software underneath. Yeah. And then, oh, I want to do a marketing email. But I don't want to send it to everybody. I would just like to send it to this subgroup of people. I would just like to send it to the women because it's a women's thing. Or I would just like to send it to the men. Or right. I would just like to send it to the people who've been active in the last year and no one beyond that. Every one of those things add these layers of complexity. What have you found uh, is the most challenging aspect of running something like this, mm. putting it together and supplying those needs to people? I would say it's what I call the law of exponential desire which is that if you have 10 things on your list that your customers tell you they want, for every one you cross off, people are going to want three more based on what they're now experiencing with that improvement. You know, it's insurmountable. We're always picking. It's like picking your children. And, uh, you know, you've got to draw a line somewhere. Here's, the, you know, here's how many can come with us. Here's how many can fit on the boat, and here's how many are going to have to stay on the island, you right. know, hmm. or the boat's going to sink. And, you know, you've, right. you've always got to make those choices, and that's tough. Right. And we've got to put some of our money into what's going to uh, happen down the road. As Rick says, you know, we have to skate to where the puck is going to be as hmm. well. And that's how we evolved from the beginning. And to go back to all of that complexity, you know, we didn't invent the complexity. The human beings running these businesses yeah. and coming to the businesses invented the complexity. We've just been trying to accommodate it. That's, that's, right. that's just one of the hardest things, choosing the priorities and, you know, trying to to meet everyone's needs as much as possible. The wellness people, when they, when someone's running a studio, they can create the atmosphere, they can create the whole vibe, they can choose the music and things mm -hmm. like that. But then when I think of mind body and, and my experience from, from the conference, it is it's like kind of reminiscent of a corporate, you know, environment. I, I don't know if that was just because of the venue. Is, is there like a, a wellness kind of environment? I mean, it, the people who work at MindBody, like the software people, like, is it a cubicle or is there also mm -hmm. mellow music? You know what I'm saying? Like, like, do they have lunch breaks where they have a, a Pilates class or I'm, I'm just curious. It's yeah. Shot it's, in the dark. It's a great cubicles with low ceilings. <laughs> yeah. uh, we, we have people handcuffed to the desk. <laughs> hours a day. And, so uh, that you don't have to be. That's yeah. right. Uh, no, we, I mean, we're really lucky. And by the way, I, I, you know, got things started in 98. I took on, um, one of my oldest and best friends joined me and we, we created hard body software LLC as we called it in, mm. two, in 2000. In 2003, I left, um, and was gone for 10 years. So when I came back, I sort of experienced 
I got to experience firsthand what it was like to walk into what was now a pretty large company. When I left, there were 12 or 13 of us. And what I experienced, and what you'll hear from the people that that work at MindBody, and you'll have to come and and see for yourself. Is it, where is it? It's in San Luis, we're in San Luis Obispo, the headquarters. We have offices now kind of all over the world, but the headquarters and the bulk of us are in San Luis Obispo. Sounds like a nice road trip. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, it's amazing. We live in, we live in paradise. Nice. It's wine country. The ocean is there. Hikes are there. Um, but no, we, we have, as far as corporate environments go, I would say, you know, we have one of the more phenomenal environments. I think there's always, there's always work to do to your point. We are a corporation. We're right. We're a public corporation now. Yeah. There's some things I can and can't say, you know, now that we're public. Right. Um, and there's things we can and can't do. So we're bound by that in terms of being a corporation. I think we're I, I would say I know that we're definitely on the progressive side of that. Right. And it's a pretty phenomenal environment. Um, when I, in, in the 10 years I was gone, Rick and the team came up with core values. And these core values, like humble and helpful and, uh, and environmentally friendly and uh, purpose-driven and, and some really meaningful core values that with most companies are just wallpaper. Right. Some executive creates them and they print them out and show them to people, but they don't really mean anything. At MindBody, we hire and fire based on those core values. They're part of our vernacular, they're mm. part of the conversations we have. If we're talking about a tech partner, it wouldn't be uncommon to say, I'm not sure this tech partner is really in alignment with our core values. Mm. So um, those are meaningful for us, and they've helped to create a culture that's really pretty pretty phenomenal, and I would say pretty progressive. Nice. You still have those things that you're going to have in any corporation, and, and that's something I'm uniquely interested in is how do we evolve corporations even more? Yeah. Um, We're definitely a triple bottom line corporation, people, planet, profit. I'm interested in how we double click on the people part of that. Yeah. And uh, move towards something I call the heart-centered corporation. And a lot of companies are working toward this kind of thing right now. And there's a movement out there toward this. How can we bring more consciousness of what you might experience in a yoga studio into the corporate environment. I want to double click on that planet thing. Yeah, I came over when he had gotten back from that conference. Oh, yeah. And there was just like a mound of swag. <laughs> uh, and it, 99% of it is single use plastic. Yeah. Comment? No comment. No. <laughs> it's a great point. It, I, I think it's, it's an, and I have, you know, and I sometimes have similar reactions myself when I look at the stuff. So one of our core values is continuously evolving, you know, and I guess uh, I kind of have to fall back on that with these kinds of things. So we're still, a, we're still a fairly young company. We've grown, you know, leaps and bounds just in the last few years. Like I said, we had 500 people when I came back three years ago. Now we have 1,300 people. Hmm. So, um, so some of these things still happen. Some of the, maybe the old ways and not as good ways happen. And, uh, you know, we're continuously trying to evolve and make those things better. So hopefully next year when you come to Bold, you'll see an improvement. <laughs> cool. See an improvement along those lines. I'll keep my fingers crossed. By the way, I think it's productive for our feet to be held to the fire with those kinds of things as well. You know, I think those are the, those are the kinds of things that I want our clients to be able to say to us, bring up, to be yeah. able to bring up, to be able to complain about if they feel uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, it's an ecosystem and, and we work for our clients and I, I personally would love for our clients to step forward and hold our feet to the fire when it comes to those kinds of things. Because they'll, they'll help us one, get better in that way as well. One kind of world problem um, 
that came to mind when you mentioned being in other countries, and I think people talked about running mind-body software in India. Um, there are cases where only wealthy tourists can afford to go to classes in, um, and you know, people who are on the high end, upper yeah. middle class and up, are, are the only ones that could possibly afford to go to a class, a yoga class yeah. in New Delhi. I was just wondering if there's a little bit of a sliding scale, like if it's the mm. same fee to have the software, you know, just in their currency, mm. or if it's a lesser fee. Considering, you mean in other countries? Yeah. Uh, we don't have a sliding scale. Okay. I, I think that that's something that I hope that we can help, and I know Rick, Rick and I are both passionate about this, that we can help to lower that bar to access as... as time goes on yeah um candidly we're still working to become a profitable company ourselves right you know and we so we've said publicly that we're going to become profitable next year so yeah um so we have survived on raising capital and venture capital and yeah as much as we've grown and as lucky and as blessed as we've been to be where we are we're still trying to get to that point of su uh, sustainability for us as well yeah so when it comes to things like price points you know you do what you can but we've got to stick around as well. You know, we're in terms of Maslow's hierarchy of need. We're still working on right. survival. Sure. Um, so, but you know, in our country, I, I I think it's something that I really hope that we can help with and want to help with. And you know, maybe we can have programs like give a class, uh, buy a class, give a class. That is something that that Rick's talked about. Right. Maybe we can have something like a supermarket checkout type thing in the app. So when you buy a yoga class. Or you buy a series, maybe there's an option there to donate to something, hmm. and maybe that has to do with uh, uh, with, with yeah. health and wellness for the disadvantaged or for children's education or something like that. Or, I like that. The, yeah. The truth is, it's it's not equal access right now. I mean, our clients, if you look at the demographic of our clients, they're they're fairly well off. It's not inexpensive. Go down the street, um, and how much are you going to pay yeah. for a massage or a fitness? class or a yoga class. Yeah, and they've got to pay their rent and everything. And right. Rent. It's too damn high. Like as far as, you know, just sort of brainstorming about better ways, like I don't yeah. know what the answers are, you know. To me, that's why things like our core values are important. Yeah. It's important. And a heart-centered corporation and those kinds of culture, the, the cultural values are important to me. That's the part yeah. that I do know. And I do know that, and I've been in rooms where those decisions are made, I do know that it comes down to the heart and soul of the people that are in those rooms that are making the decisions. Yeah. So I feel like the more you can bake that into the company culture, right. um, the more you can... Or at least not avoid it, not, yeah. not dance around it in conversation, but, you know, look right at it. I think that's getting harder and harder to do. Yeah. You know, I think that we're evolving as a culture. Yeah. Like we're evolving as a species, you know. And the millennials, um, oddly enough, I see them kind of pushing this forward because they sort of somehow leapfrogged over the first part of the Maslow's hierarchy of needs, the survival part, mm. they've gone right to the thriving part. They right. want to feel purpose and meaning in the work that they're doing. Yeah. And if they don't, they're down the street to the next company. If you don't authentically have that really baked into what you're doing and how you're treating people, people and the products know. that you're creating, yeah. I think you're going to have a hard time attracting and keeping the best and the brightest. Right. That's my hope. I mean, yeah. I, I like to think relying that, on wages alone. I mean, you know, a lot of people will put up with a lot if for that six figure. Some people will stay for money, um, but you know, it's getting harder and harder to keep people around for the money. Yeah. More and more people will come and stay for purpose and meaning and because they feel like they're making a difference yeah. um, than they will for the paycheck. 
you know. And, yeah. And we, and we luckily, you know, we've benefited from that at MindBody because we are um, a core value centered company and we do have positive intention. Do we always get it right? No. <laughs> you know, sometimes we, we yeah. mess up too. Well, if you're trying to survive and thrive in this world, it's hard to always be making the the moral decision it's, in every case. Well, it's complex, and the more and the bigger you get, the more complexity there is because yeah. you, you know you don't have one person walking around making all the decisions, waving a wand. Right. You have a team of people that you trust to make these decisions, and you give them the authority to make these. You've got decisions. shareholders to answer to. We have shareholders to answer to. That's right. And so there's yeah, there's a lot of complexity to it. Yeah. And so we're definitely not 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 immune to those things. In fact, you know. We're beholden to it. But I, I, I think there's compatibility there. Yeah. Philosophically, I believe there's compatibility. Yeah. Because I think when you have authentic purpose and meaning, when you're really genuinely trying to do something that's good and positive for the world, yeah. that somehow the economics are, uh, work out. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I think there's, I mean, with good reason, like people have this sort of, you know, cartooned caricature idea of like corporate America is over yeah. here and it's a big monster and it's the bad guys in every cartoon. Yeah. You know? And then over here you have the, yeah, but then, so, so the idea of blurring that line and bringing heart yeah. and genuine, you know, hippie values, if you will, into uh, literally a corporate environment yeah. without it backflowing <laughs> the other way. I think it's a balance. It's a challenge. I, I think it's, it's, it is. Yeah. It is. And I think what it's about is a real balance. You yeah. know? I, I think it's a balance of energies. It's a balance of masculine and feminine. We've been mm. mostly a masculine-dominated society up right. to this point. And I think more of the feminine, more of the sacred feminine is coming in. Yeah. And so it's really about balancing those two things. Yeah. And I mean, we're seeing, we're seeing that on a large scale right now. Doesn't seem in, very balanced. In our country. <laughs> well, it doesn't, but I think... Oh, man. <laughs> it doesn't, but I think it's crying out for balance. I mean, isn't, yeah. what, isn't what we're seeing the upheaval of, an, of a fundamental imbalance? You know, and we can point to one side or the other side and say, this is where the imbalance is. But if we look at us as a collective, as a whole, I think it's inarguable that there's, there's some imbalance there. But in terms of corporations and, and where we go, I, I personally think that that's really the, the potential and the next wave. Yeah. How do we bring more of that feminine energy in? And here's, how, here's where the rubber meets the road. It has to make sense to the bottom line. It has to make economic sense. The math still has to work. So you, you know, to come in and just say, "Hey, everybody, we're going to do lunchtime meditations," you know, right. from now on. That's great, and the productivity and the profitability need to somehow benefit from that, or it's difficult to justify that. So you can all sit and meditate while the company goes out of business. Um, and I, get, I suppose that's a viable choice as well. Right. <laughs> but I mean, it's if not the gonna... option is standing in line at you know Chipotle or something, you know, right? They bring bring your food. Yeah, optional meditation, not required right. meditation. Well, I guess where I'm going with that is it's it's not going to flip the corporate structure because right. certain people will be attracted to that regardless, come what may, and other people will say, no, I'm going to stay in business and I'm going to do whatever I need to. So, in other words, the way corporations have you know, we tend to think of them being run to really shift that dynamic is to bring some of those other principles and ways of doing things into the corporation and to prove that they're actually beneficial. So how do you do that? People stay around longer, you know, there's less churn in the, in the business. Um, I want to track the metric of how our culture is doing and I want to correlate that metric 
with how our productivity and our profitability is doing. Because yeah. my belief is, is that if you raise the heartbeat of your culture, that by definition you're going to raise your productivity and you're going to raise your profitability. I believe that those things correlate. And I'd like to see us start to prove those kinds of things. <laughs> yeah. So people will do the right thing. Would people, be nice. People yeah. will do anything to make money, even if they have to do the right thing. Mm. Yeah. The wrong thing is always so much cheaper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the wrong thing like is always The river's so much on fire, That's yeah. That's why you got all that, that single-use plastic. <laughs> it's cheaper. Well, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and, and, you know, made in America is not cheap either. No, it's it is like, not. No, people will scream about all of these things, but then they want to go to Walmart and buy a 27-cent tricycle. Right. You know? yeah. There's probably a better way to do that. Yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but, yeah, I I don't know. There's it's the, there's so much complexity to it. There is, there really, really is, and uh, <laughs> I like your attitude um, a lot. Uh, my my question is, it is still a belief, right? So yeah. there's not a whole lot to prove that uh, these these good intentions, these good desires, this 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 willingness to have your feet held to the fire and yeah. try things uh, that are good for people, the planet, and what was the last profit. One? Profit. Yeah. Why did I forget profit? Uh, <laughs> So the desire to do good for the people and planet won't be overwhelmed by the yeah. need for profit. That is exactly what happens, mm -hmm. right? So, so the the decisions that you are sort of pigeonholed into making are institutional, and regardless of who's holding those positions, uh, you know we are going to still use oil and mm -hmm. plastic and uh, do what we need to do in order to make money, and what we need to do in order to make money yeah. tends not to be good for people and the planet. Yeah. Uh, so I'm going to keep my fingers crossed and hope that you and, and, and the people like you, and there are people like you that are coming into these roles in corporate America yeah, uh, and have a willingness and a desire to try to make things a little better, and I hope it works. Well, thank you so much for yeah. joining us on the Better Ways podcast yeah, today. I really enjoyed the conversation. Yeah. Thanks for coming in. Yeah, so did I. Thanks for having me. Yeah. yeah really Absolutely. a pleasure. Could we find better ways, better ways? You said message heard loud and clear on the single-use plastics, so presumably there'll be fewer single-use plastics uh, yeah. next year. Uh, I just, I, uh, I have philosophical problems with the what are you doing to make a difference argument. Right. Um, Depending on the individual consumer to make good choices yeah. uh, in large groups, so like each individual consumer has to make a good cho choice and then that somehow brings about change. I just, I can't get behind that um, fully. I can get it behind for my own personal life right, yeah. sometimes. Yeah. Uh, but I think as a means of affecting social change, um, you need to really address what the institutions are doing and what the, the structural sort of barriers are for individual action, right? Yeah. And so, so yeah. Uh, Blake, Blake Beltram. Yeah, he's a cool dude. Um, I uh, want to say to the audience uh, that we enjoyed interviewing him. We enjoyed meeting him. Um, I'm not sure that's exactly the direction that we're envisioning for the future of the cast. Right. Right. It was just sort of like, ah, oh, here's this guy, and 
Edward wants to meet him, so let's do that. <laughs> yeah. But I think we did hit on some important points, uh, not all of which came back to our central th- our central idea of, of better ways, right? Right, yeah. Um, but if you run a yoga studio or something uh, and you look up mind-body, I'll endorse it. It seems to, yeah. it seems to have a thing. Yeah. Edward, what did you think? There was the, the the part where he said, uh, you know, it's it's good that it's good to have people like you to hold our feet to the fire. And I'm like, oh my god, are we the ones holding their feet to the fire? <laughs> like, oh, we're totally screwed if Chris and I are the ones holding corporate America's feet to the fire on these issues by bringing them up on a podcast, right? That... Recorded on a microphone. Uh... <laughs> I mean, um. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, it seems like it seems you know. I mean, and and he wasn't po- he wasn't lying about he he wasn't he was being direct and saying you know we've got Maslow's hierarchy of needs survival being you know number one. But and that's kind of like when you when you call out the big banks, for example, they they say well you know we can't compete in a in a against these other banks who are pulling all this crap. Unless we pull it too, and you know, if you want us to like beat these totally ethical standards, you know, then uh, then we're gonna be bankrupt by tomorrow, you know. So, and that's 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 the situation. So it's you know, you try to try to call someone out for that, and they're like, well, you know, I, I'm running a moderately successful business, so obviously I haven't been listening to people like you. Um, <laughs> you know, and it's like, well, congratulations, and could you try, you know? Uh, Right, and that that again, I think it reflects this institutional inertia that me saying, "Oh, you know, I don't want to use a plastic bag for my produce at the supermarket," for instance, is fine. I, I mean, I pat myself on the back every time right. I just don't put the lemon in in the single use bag, right? Yeah. Uh, but there is that need for them to make profit; otherwise, they don't stick around. And the only way that you really make profit is uh, the best way to make a profit is by is by can I say up? probably not <laughs> I can beat that out it's by fing up the earth yeah right yeah um the the old machinery that's in place is all you know petroleum coal you can you can very cheaply and easily have something done in Bangladesh and then burn all kinds of fossil fuels to have it brought over here and then burn even more to have it brought from the harbor to, you know, all the 99 cent stores or, you know, all the uh, grocery stores or, or whatever. And if you if you get the Koch brothers behind you, then you can have your name on a wrapper of something that, that could be in every 7-Eleven in the world, you know, like, um, but uh, if not, then good luck, you know. There's Small Business Saturday. <laughs> we encourage Small people to support Saturday. on the day after Black Friday. Yeah. Um, and that's where this kind of, you know, mind body is is kind of a big uh, you know, it's it's got it's got investors and stuff like that, but it's there to help out small businesses. So so there's these sort of it's almost like it makes me think of the the cat that helps Fievel in uh <laughs> He's Dale. still a cat, right? <laughs> but but he's a good cat. He's help. Yeah, he's helping the mice to unite against the bad cats. 
So, yeah, I mean, that's, I guess that's kind of what, what I was thinking was, at best, that's what mind-body is, is uh, a, a, a good cat helping the mice against all the cats. Which I suppose is a slightly better way. Yeah. Uh, you know, small we, businesses We need great. their help. I mean, if we're just, if it's just the burner hippies in the desert versus the corporate infrastructure of the military-industrial complex, we're going to lose. <laughs> You know, if all we have is sage, then, uh, I mean, maybe on some spiritual level we'll ascend faster or something. But uh, but if we're actually going to make a if we're going to, you know, like, what are we doing? Who are, Who's listening to this? What can they do? Wait, what, are we doing anything? Is this just... I mean, we're, we're, we are providing entertainment. Yeah. 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 Um, which sometimes makes a difference. I don't... I'm not sure about the reach of the podcast just yet. Right. Um, Hopefully this will be the second of hundreds. I hope so. And maybe by the time we hit our 100th anniversary, we will be good at what we're doing and get some... Uh, like our 100-year anniversary? Because that's ambitious. That's that's putting a lot of a lot of trust in the... In, in the, the medical system? Yeah. No, not our 100-year. The progress no. of... So Patty, Patricia Gieselman, I think that's... She was just in Iceland giving a lecture, something about mindfulness. She teaches in the inner city schools. Um, so she was like, oh yeah, I'll do that? Yeah. No, cool. she said she'd be really glad to, and you know, I was glad I asked her. Mindfulness. It's like, um, it's modern day atheist speak for Buddhism. Because, you know, minus the, uh, the incense and the chanting and everything and the funny clothes and hats, it's you know, much more of a philosophy if you want to end suffering than stop feed, feeding or giving in to your cravings um, right. so much. You know, Desire like, Yeah. I like that. Noble Eightfold. Should I set up a Twitter account right now so we can say where we're tweeting? No, that'd be great. You can type in Better Ways Podcast on Facebook, or we're also on Twitter, at Better Ways Show, and, uh iTunes. If you have an iTunes account, please do uh, log in and subscribe to the Better Ways Podcast. And if you don't mind giving us a, a, a generous rating and uh, if a you review. Like uh, let's let's thank uh, Blake Beltram for special for thanks to on. Blake Beltram. Thank you also to Coric uh, Mu and everyone who was involved in the production of the music you're hearing right now. The song Better Ways, as you can find, uh, there's a link on the page associated with the podcast. Uh, Happy New Year! Happy New Year!